Hello, and welcome back to These Amazing Places podcast. I'm Doug. And this is Adam. This week, we're going to be uh, discussing uh, a little bit of a uh, few things here in Epcot. Uh, we're going to do an audio ride through and discuss uh, living with the land. We're going to uh, do a restaurant review of uh, Chefs de France. Le Chefs de France. Yep. Okay. Le, Le Chefs de France. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. And, uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit also about uh, best times to go in or to be in the parks. As always, you can call our voicemail line, 641-715-3900, extension 53056. We're on Twitter. We're on Flickr. We have a website with pictures. And we're also on iTunes, so send us an iTunes review. And you can also contact us on uh, the website through email, podcast at theseamazingplaces.com, or click on our contact page, fill out the information, and contact us. We'll be back shortly. Okay, Adam, uh, let's see here. Since you can't seem to figure out the best time to be in the park because you always go there when, <laughs> yeah, the, when it's uh, blazing hot. Yeah, the ground is like you know, the <laughs> surface of the sun. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the times that you dream about being in the park. I've been there before, let's see, in uh, November, about a week before. You know, a lot of times it works out if you go a week before any major holiday. So I've gone a week before uh, Thanksgiving. I've gone a week before Christmas. And I've gone, let's see here, a week before spring break. And I think I even went a week before uh, Halloween one time. Oh, okay. Was it pretty crowded during those times or... I've, I've heard that Magic Kingdom is usually always crowded anyway. Yeah, it's always the busiest, but, which I can't figure out. But. I mean, I don't know. In my mind, when we were there, busy means that you got lines going into the turnstiles at the beginning at the front of each park and stuff like that. And that's more than just Magic Kingdom. It's yeah, like busy means like, you know, an hour wait to get on, let's say, Splash Mountain. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and most of them... Uh, when I've gone there a week prior to, you see it at the beginning of the week when you first get there. It's not that bad. It's great. You know, you can walk onto a lot of rides. As the week progresses, you see the holiday crowd starting to show up. Oh, okay. By the end of the week, then usually, when you're tired and getting ready to go home, that place is each each park's becoming slammed. Okay. So, well, I know that when we went in August, and maybe you can attest to your times that you went. I felt like we really wanted to hit a lot of the rides, and so with it being busy, we felt very rushed. It's like, oh, it's busy, but we need to get to this place or else we're not going to be able to get into line or get a fast pass because there's so many people there anyway. Or, or in other words, our fast passes are going to run out, and yeah, we I've, have to get there. Hurry, hurry. And so it's like a rush, and then we're doing extra magic hours, and we're like running. For example, you know I, I mean? I've never used a fast pass. Oh, never. Yeah, well, I've been in the parks because mm-hmm. I'm always there around that time. And I don't know. Uh, the, the only time that I regretted that was on our last trip when uh, waiting to get on test track. Right. But other times, most of the time, we're just walking onto the rides. It might be, I don't know, a 10-minute wait or something. Yeah. And so it never seemed worthwhile to grab a fast pass. Okay. And then I guess the other thing to talk about with the different times is, well, first off, the different um, like food and wine is in the fall. Yeah, which flower yeah, and garden see, is in the spring. No, food and wine um, you can slip in because it goes up until November, I believe. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that, but then a lot of the others, yeah, you miss. Right. If you're trying um, to get in there outside of the busy time. Star Wars weekends are in June. Yeah. Every weekend in June. Um, I'm trying to think of any. Uh, Mickey's not so scary. Halloween party is around 
the Halloween time, which ends up, I think it actually, it overlaps in like through the whole month of October probably, now, if right? if you think too, since they're doing the celebrations this year with the birthday, oh yeah, it could pick up the business in the yeah. parks and keep them busy right through um, the times when, when it's slow. Yeah. Obviously though, it's always busier during the times when kids are out of school. I, a lot of times just take my kids out and if we're going to go or I try to slip in just a couple days maybe I try to hurry and get to the parks there right after the kids get out I try to end up being there before the mad rush comes in also, so far so good yeah also I was going to say a couple of things also the times of the fireworks are different per year too right I mean like throughout the year like in other words I can tell you all the times that I announced on here on the show is all related to our August trip to Disney which was be like Fantasmic had a 9 o'clock and a 10.30 showing um, Illumination started at nine o'clock. Wishes started at ten o'clock. You know all those later times because yeah, the sun see, I don't, I don't see those set, times hardly. Yeah, your times were probably what like especially when, in the was fall. Was wishes at like eight o'clock yeah, or something like, for yeah, you? I think eight o'clock. Which is early, and I think Illuminations is early too because the sun's already down. People are gonna leave. It gets colder, and they don't want to hang out as much. Right. And, well, you know though too. Uh, I think. And I've always, your endurance is a lot more when it's cooler out the entire That's day. That's true, yeah. And so sometimes the mornings can be a little bit rough and maybe later into the evenings if you don't bring the right kind of clothing. Uh, and some people pack down with layers and layers and then they're blazing hot in the yeah. middle of the day. Mm -hmm. But if you just kind of, uh, uh, you know, wear some light layers uh, and then you use those in the mornings and then pull them off and get a locker or wear them with you. Or we always had a stroller. Or something or a backpack with us so we would throw stuff into the backpacks and so it worked fantastic hmm. so yeah and that made it really easy to have strength through the entire day in the parks and especially for the kids I mean it's got to be rough on kids to sit in a stroller or whatever and it's just yeah it's 90 degrees or more out huh I guess what I would be interested in you've never done extra magic hours in the off season right. have you yeah I haven't yeah see I was thinking man I wonder what, because we were in extra magic hours in Magic Kingdom, it's like 2 a.m., you know, and the crowd the crowd wasn't extreme, and there were, it was somewhat busy, but at the same time, we walked on some things, and it was like, it was kind of nice. I really would like to know what it's like in the off-season, like in the fall or in the well, spring I, in the I've extra heard, magic hours, because yeah, I, I bet it's pretty slim. I've I heard bet. some people talk about extra magic hours at like Animal Kingdom, I think I've heard, Yeah. for instance, and they said more or less it's a great time, even if you're not riding every ride, but it sounds like uh, uh, the person that I talked to went on, well, listened to, went on quite a few times, Expedition Everest, they yeah. went on it like five times in a row, uh -huh. so to be able to do that, you know, you, you can't do that most yeah. of the time, and they were able to manage that. And plus, they said the park, Animal Kingdom Park, is incredible. Yeah. At night. So you've seen some of that, right? Because we actually, our time—I forget what happened. We were watching Illuminations or something, and I really, really wanted to get to Animal Kingdom in the extra magic hours because I knew, I had heard that it looked cool around at night, and that's where I got that awesome picture of Everest, of Everest. Yeah. Expedition Everest at night, and. Um, we didn't unfortunately have a lot of time to just hang out, but it was very comfortable weather too because being hot during the day at that time of day, it was it was somewhat humid still, but it was very comfortable. You're down by the water, you hear the crickets, you hear things, you see the the like the lanterns at night. They're really cool because they paper, glow. Right? That's what I heard. They look like paper lanterns. Yeah, they do, but they're they're still like light bulbs, but they flicker like a light bulb like okay. they kind of like glow sometimes yeah. you know what i mean and we're anyway. wandering all over the place <laughs> yeah <laughs> wait a minute what park were we in uh, 
Okay. Yeah. But uh, the other thing I was going to say, too, with the different seasons is that obviously prices are different, too. So during the peak season when it's blazing hot, too, uh, well, partly raising hot, it's uh, more ex- more expensive. Um, you know, when the off-season, the uh, I forget what it's called, the, the normal... I forget what the peak season. They, they, yeah, peak was the highest. But yeah. anyway, it's and there's like three or four different categories of. So that that also plays into it if you can afford to, if you don't have kids with you, or you can take them out of school for a while to go to Disney during those times. I think it's more beneficial. That's to what go I'm afraid of. A lot of people they discount the park or think it's not as good a time because they just go at bad times. Mm-hmm. And I know. That's the time that's afforded them the best during the summer months and spring break and yeah and a lot of times during the holidays and so they they attribute maybe a bad time or just a rush feeling and stuff like that to the time that they went into the parks and I always think if people could just go there and some of the slower times they would probably have a whole different experience yeah which in my mind and when we go next it's going to be either in the spring or fall we've decided already because. Um, Tired of your shoes melting to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that and uh, sweat rolling down my yeah. back. It's not a not the greatest. You're constantly hitting air conditioning all yeah, the time. Yeah, see, I so. just I, and I haven't dealt with that now in so long that I've forgotten what it's like. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, well, hey, let's. Uh, all right, so we're gonna move on next to do a restaurant review. Yep. And the restaurant re- review for this week will be Last Chefs de France. De France. Yes, straight out of the World Showcase in Epcot and. Right, Over so in France. So. Let's just jump through here a little bit. Uh, what did you, what did you have to eat there? Well, let's first off say this: we had lunch there. Okay. It wasn't dinner, although it was. It's considered a table service on your meal plan if you get the meal plan, and it's. I don't. I have no clue what the prices were. I didn't. Don't remember. Doesn't matter. We should have looked you're it on up. the meal plan. Yeah. yeah, it didn't matter to us. But um, if you're gonna, you know what? I I think this. If you're gonna, if you plan on doing sit down meals once a day. Yeah. With you and your husband, you and your wife, or you, your wife, husband, and family, kids, uh-huh. get the meal plan, yeah. I think, because there's, there's no way that you can afford I agree. to do it on well, what the meal plan The meal costs. plan itself pays for your one table service right. a day, right. which also gives you, you know, quick and service. And if anybody will look into that, you'll see that. There's just no way that you can eat a sit-down meal in those parks each day yeah. and, and do it on the cost of the meal plan. Yeah, and plus it fills you up. It's not like... It's a really good deal. So, um, okay. anyway, well, we had lunch there. I really would like to try this place at night because I think it would be cool at night or for a evening, especially with illuminations. Because basically, the front of the pavilion, uh, well, the front of the restaurant used to be an outdoor restaurant. I don't know if you know this, but it's kind of got an overhang. But instead of it being completely outdoors, they actually closed it in with all glass. So you are, and we actually sat on the outer part of it. And you're sitting out, and you just look out, and you can see the whole World Showcase Lagoon. Lagoon you really? can see the people walking by, and you're you're kind of close to the uh, it's the International Gateway, right? Is that mm-hmm. that bridge? Yeah. What it's called. Um, so at the same time, you get a great meal and a nice view. But the food was really good. It was there's a various mixture of you know France type food, which would be escargot, which is snail, and uh, but at the same time, I had like a chicken uh, thigh and leg, all like a rotisserie chicken with uh, just what I have, some tomatoes and mashed potatoes and garlic mashed potatoes. It was really good. My wife had like a grilled cheese with ham and mixed greens meal. And so you can get like a normal meal there, but the bread was really good. 
and it's a lot better than that stuff you had. <laughs> not that yeah, I'm slamming well, Italy. Well, that, that restaurant's but... not even there anymore. Oh, it's not? The one that I went to in oh. Italy, no, it's been replaced. I went uh -huh. there, and they gave us bread that was like, it was hard as, well, it was round like a baseball, kind of, and it was yeah. as hard as a baseball. Oh, man. And even after you finally, you know, managed to crack your way through the shell, yeah. the stuff on the inside wasn't even very good. So I think we always joked, my family and I, that uh, the people were standing back somewhere cracking up laughing. I was watching <laughs> us try to eat this stuff. Yeah, really. So. Well, which explains why they're not around. But I'm sure there's still a restaurant there that serves Italian yeah, food. Yeah, they, they put a new restaurant in, in there. But, so. But anyway, um, France is, this isn't the only restaurant in France. There's another one that's more upscale, actually. This one's pretty upscale. Like, you go in, they give you a cloth napkin. It's got a cloth table, tablecloth. Um, they got the waiters and waitresses are all dressed up in a nice, very, very nice, I would say Olive Garden plus more is how their apparel is. Of course, they're all French people, so they all speak French. Or and they, they say pretentive. Well, I... They all had accents. <laughs> when they spoke English, yeah, they I all know. had accents and they all could speak. I, I, you know, I, and that's that's probably so, right. I've always wondered if they're actors. Oh. And they they practice their art by... Maybe. You know, working. I think but, it would be neat. I mean, and what the heck? I don't care. Uh, as long as they create the atmosphere for me, I really don't care. Yeah. Well, that's true. But honestly, when we were there, I remember the manager coming in and he was kind of frustrated because he was trying to get people seated and... Of course, he had the French accent. I knew he couldn't fake that through his frustrations. So right. I don't know how. Maybe you'd be a pretty good actor if you faked yeah, through all that stuff. If you're really working on your craft, that would yeah. be one way to do it. If you can stay in character all day long through an mm -hmm. eight or ten hour day, that would be pretty good. Yeah, a lot of practice. So anyway, go check it out. Um, what about dessert? Do the you dude, remember oh, much about desserts? The dessert was great. There's creme brulee, uh, chocolate mousse. Uh, there's crepes. I had a taste of each one of those with the people around me and. Uh, it was very good stuff. It's it's like a and there's fruit usually mixed in within your uh, desserts, but it's oh, I don't want to say it was a heavy dessert. They were light desserts, and that's I think what the French like to have is like a light dessert, and uh, yeah, is really great stuff. So definitely check it out if you go in the evening and you have a great experience. Let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Okay, so. and once again, that's Le Chefs de France. Yep. It's in uh, it's in France. Yep. In Epcot. And right. you'll see it. It's like the first. It's got the little overhang. and so anyway. Okay, and they do take the dining plan, yep. as we mentioned already. All right, well, uh, with that, that's our restaurant review for this week. Now we move on to the ride. All right, and the ride this week will be uh, Living with the Land. I, you know what, Adam, I remember going into this ride, probably it had to be this ride. Let's, let's just go through this real quick. It's, uh, it's in the future world. The Land Pavilion. Uh, the designer was Wed Enterprises. That is Walter Elias Disney Enterprises, which is no no longer there. That is Imagineering. It's a boat ride. It, its theme is human human interaction with nature. Its opening date was in October 1 of 1982. That's what I was going to get around to for saying I probably went on this thing when it first opened. Okay. And so I remember it from that long ago. Then you haven't been on since. No, not that yeah. I can remember. Okay. Yeah. Vehicle capacity is 36 cars per vehicle, too. Let's just get down to it. Let's see. Ride duration is 14 minutes, 57 seconds. It uh, has 35 animatronics. Its capacity is 1,200 people per hour. Now, I asked Adam before, when we were kind of going through uh, show notes here if there was a line when he went in, and he said no. And at first I said, well, maybe that's because the – the capacity. attraction is kind of falling off as far as oh, yeah, yeah. how much people like it. But then we realized that 1200 per hour, 
they're probably never aligned. It's yeah. moving fairly well. Uh, it is wheelchair accessible and sponsored by Disney and it's assisted listening uh, available also on it. And uh, so let's just go go get some descriptions you, here. You know, I wanted to comment also, maybe the, uh, this is just speculation, we were there during the busy season, as I mentioned earlier, but uh, maybe it's because this is in the land pavilion and right across from the land pavilion is Soren. So is Soren is always jammed. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy and a very popular ride. So no one really wants to ride the land. Actually, if you grab a fast pass for Soren, go over to ride the land 15 minutes later. I mean, well, it's, you, you, you basically only have to wait two minutes. We walked on. So, but a fast pass actually is available for this, it believe is. it or not. Yeah. So maybe there are times when it is. Maybe. Land. I don't know. I, I we can, were there I like three days and every single day we looked at the line and we actually rode this ride twice just because it. It was, easy it was to inside, get on. easy to get on. And, and now so. that brings me to another point, too. And I said this to Adam and when we were kind of going through show notes of saying, it's probably a great ride to go on to to get cooled off <laughs> since it's 15 minutes. <laughs> no, not really. No. It, there are sections of it that are definitely air conditioning. And they do have it blocked off. But as you travel through the ride, there are different um, simulated things. Like you'll hear, you'll hear the guy talking, the narrator in the beginning. He's just given a feel for... Um, living with the land, nature takes over, and then you hear thunder crashing and different things like that, and you actually see like rooms of like thunder moving around and like clouds, and then you see that at one point this gopher like kind of pops up and looks his head around and goes back down and <laughs> different things like that, and that's all before you get to the actual real like um, greenhouse. So anyway, that's all air conditioned. You get to this one point, and all of a sudden this door opens, and you're in a greenhouse, and your boat walk you know floats in and. You see the plants, and, and throughout the time, you go through a couple different greenhouses um, and through the fish farm and different things. But each one of those is not air-conditioned because, so, obviously, the plants would And the point of this ride is, let's say, for instance, say, you know, tell uh, listeners some of the unique things that they show in there, like the uh, future of agriculture and the things with that they're mm -hmm. doing. Well, basically, you'll actually, if you listen to the narration, he talks through everything so you can hear everything. But... Um, there are plants that are actually hanging on this rotating um, thing. I don't know. It's like a small conveyor belt with the plants hanging, but they're not in soil. They're so just the hanging. Are up, their right? roots, no, their oh, roots, the roots are down. Are down. Okay. They're hanging down, but as it passes through this thing, they shoot chemicals, not chemicals. They shoot fertilizer and nutrients. Chemicals. <laughs> chemicals, like you were going to. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but that pass through, and that's what actually they don't even need to survive in soil because the nutrients are being sprayed directly on it. And so they were using this as research to kind of see, well, how does a plant develop when it doesn't have a soil to grow in? And then, of course, this is a greenhouse, so the sun is beating down, and it's got... And now, this place has been like this since 82. I remember them mm -hmm. with the hanging plants, and I believe to this day, and I could be wrong on this, but... I think the Japanese are the only people that actually use this technique. They have large warehouses, four and five, six, well, seven stories high. And if they it's grow the Japanese only, Disney is one of them because they say in the ride that they use many of their restaurants use the food that they grow in this cool. place. See, so, so it's, it's a real a life working, thing. It's it's working not, farm mm -hmm. basically. It's not just an attraction. It actually is. And you, we saw people in there walking around, like working on a couple things here and there. Um, and you can actually take a thing called behind the seeds tour. Where you pay a little money and you go back behind and you see more about. See, this. I was like, yeah, this is good. It's it's really interesting if you're if you're into that and. Uh, but also there's uh, there's one point where they take the 
the tomato plant and they actually expanded it out and said and hung it up like a tree so it was more like a tomato tree instead of a tomato plant which is just in the ground and they said actually it promotes oxygen circulation throughout the plant so it helps the plant grow more and that's where they I think they had you can hear it in the ride 18 months I think they had a tomato plant survive 18 months or something like that which is unusual. which is very yeah I mean yeah. it's year round and and then also different things like the uh, look for the Mickey pumpkin yeah is it'll be growing in there I'm sure they'll have one either finished or actually in the mold trying to grow and they use a mold to shape usually the they do pumpkin. that I think in some places they kind of highlight how large they can make some vegetables and fruits yeah the nine pound lemon is right. a plant that's with, there with how they grow I yeah. was very interested uh, there's a cocoa plant where they get chocolate from there was a coffee where See, coffee was hence, grown there's I thought, all well, kinds Nestle of stuff. sponsors this thing and yeah. I thought but so I guess you could fit that in there too with the chocolate yeah thing. You, and when Nestle you said does that, do a lot more than just chocolate but yeah, so. but it was still interesting. It's kind of like a integration of a ride along with real life things of what they're doing to promote these things. And you'll hear it. It's a very informative ride. It's a very fun, slow-moving ride. And and in, it also is very easily accessed by wheelchair. You can just drive your wheelchair right on. In fact, the recording that you hear is actually us sitting in the wheelchair boat, but no one was in a wheelchair. So we had big leg room in the front which was great which for me which is good for Adam <laughs> since once again he's nine feet tall yeah <laughs> so but anyway it's a fun little ride so okay well hey with that let's uh, let's listen to the audio this is uh, quite lengthy and uh, well, but 15 it's, minutes. It's, it's enjoyable to kind of listen to uh, I think it was relaxing when I listened to it so yes. enjoy nature of living with the land. Our journey begins as dramatic and sudden changes are sweeping over the land. The approaching storm may seem violent and destructive to us, but to nature, it's a new beginning in the cycle of life. surface of the land, roots trap water from the flowing mud, extracting precious nutrients and minerals. These elements, when combined with sunlight, create the diverse living systems of our planet. One of those living systems is the rainforest, home to the most amazing concentration of life on our planet. These dense and beautiful forests cover only a tiny portion of the Earth's surface, but they contain more than half of its plant and animal species. Rainforests are also extremely rich and productive living systems, providing us with oxygen, food, medicines, and other elements essential to our lives. Ha, 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 ha. 
In the desert, nature has created a very different, no less beautiful, living system. And while this arid landscape may seem lifeless, it is very much alive. The plants and animals that have learned to survive in these harsh conditions make use of what little water they can find and avoid the scorching rays of the relentless sun. The American prairie once appeared as desolate as the desert, but over time, rainwater and nutrients gradually penetrated the hard surface of this land. Even the hooves of the mighty buffalo helped create the rich soil that would one day become home to the American farm. Of all the forces at work on the land, humans have had one of the most profound effects. The need to produce food for a growing world led to the enormous use and sometimes overuse of the land. In our search for more efficient ways to grow food, we often fail to realize the impact of our methods. Today, we're learning to live with the land, discovering better ways to grow food that will assure both human and environmental well-being. just ahead in a unique, living greenhouse environment. To help us maintain these carefully controlled ecosystems, and for your safety, please remain seated in your boat at all times. In these living laboratories, scientists from Epcot, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and Nestle are exploring innovative ways to produce bountiful harvests now and into the future. The tropics are home to the greatest diversity of plants on the planet. Many of these, like bananas, cacao, coffee, and rice, are well known around the world. Others, like the jackfruit, fluted pumpkins, and dragon fruit growing here, represent the vast number of lesser-known tropical plants. Many of these are exceptionally high in vitamins and nutrients. Others are well adapted to growing in less than ideal conditions. 
The fluted pumpkin, with its edible seeds and leaves, thrives in the poorest soil conditions of Africa, making it a potential staple for millions of people. The unique-looking dragon fruit is actually a member of the cactus family. The fruits are high in vitamin C, rich in antioxidants, and have a light, sweet taste. As we learn more about these plants, we discover new ways they can help us meet our food needs. One day, some of these may be as popular as the bananas growing on both sides of the boat. More than 28 million tons of bananas are eaten annually, making it the most popular fruit in the world. When we mention farming, you probably don't think of fish, but fish farming, or aquaculture, is an innovative way to increase harvests and protect wild fish populations. Tilapia, bass, and catfish are three popular crops raised by fish farmers around the world. In Asia, tilapia are often raised in rice paddies where the fish waste provides nutrients for the rice. This integrated growing system improves yields and reduces pollution. The American alligators on your right were once an endangered species. Raising alligators on farms has played an important role in decreasing pressures on wild populations. Nearly 30% of all fish consumed worldwide is raised on farms, making aquaculture an important part of our efforts to produce a bountiful harvest. Here at The Land, we grow about 6,500 pounds of fish each year, many of which are featured in restaurants here at Epcot. This greenhouse is full of some of our biggest ideas. Giant pumpkins and winter melons are certainly impressive, but their real importance far exceeds their record-setting size. These super-sized crops represent the best efforts of scientists and farmers to improve plant yields. Years of careful selection and crossbreeding results in plants that produce more food, are more resistant to pests, and can even grow in marginal climates. And it doesn't hurt that one nine-pound lemon will make about a gallon of lemonade on a hot summer day. <laughs> These plants are definitely on their way up. Vertical growing systems like ours increases airflow through the leaves, which helps to reduce disease. Diseases and pests are two of the biggest challenges faced by farmers around the world. Innovative growing techniques are just one way to fight these problems. Using beneficial insects to manage pest problems is another technique we're using. We're also growing plants using our novel nutrient film system. By recycling water and nutrients, the system can save farmers money and help protect the environment. Thank you. 
Here's something you don't see every day. Tomatoes growing on trees. These plants were originally developed by Chinese scientists. Tomato trees live longer and produce many more tomatoes. One of ours lived 16 months and produced over 32,000 tomatoes. Much of the produce you see growing in our greenhouses is served in the restaurants here at the land. The future of agriculture includes some high-flying ideas like the ones you see here. We already grow plants without soil throughout our greenhouses. That technique is called hydroponics. Now we're trying out aeroponics. Water and nutrients are sprayed directly on the roots of the plants as they fly by. In our lab, scientists from the U.S. Department of Agriculture are working to develop dwarf pear trees. The fruit will be normal sized, but the smaller trees will be easier to grow and harvest. The goal of all these experiments is to discover new ways to better grow crops in even the harshest environments. Who knows? One day, we might even be able to grow food during extended space flights. These greenhouses represent just a tiny fraction of the work being done worldwide to produce bountiful harvests for our growing population. Of course, growing better crops is just the first part of the story. Once harvested, these crops need to be handled with care on their journey from the field to your table. Around the globe, scientists from Nestle are dedicated to improving the quality and taste of the foods that the world enjoys and relies on. Working together, we can continue to find innovative ways to increase food production and protect our precious natural environment. Only then will we truly be living with the land. On behalf of Walt Disney World and Nestle, we hope you have enjoyed this unique journey through our living laboratories. Those of you interested in an even closer look at our greenhouses might consider the Behind the Seeds walking tour. It's a great experience for the whole family. The tour desk is near the entrance to Soren. Please keep your hands and feet inside the boat and remain seated. Okay, another great ride from Epcot in Walt Disney World. Epcot's a great place. Uh, you know, of all the shows that I've listened to on podcasts and stuff, I've not heard that on a show. So. Neither have I, and they might be out there. Maybe I've yeah, missed it. but maybe not. But, uh, you know, if you enjoyed that, if you're interested in more stuff, check it out. Just, and, yeah, uh, I, that's, you know what? Don't do like I do. Get in there if you can. <laughs> if you're not with a pack of a thousand people, get in there and actually check out the places in the parks. Cause, and I'm really going to try to concentrate more on that instead of just jumping and running through the park like a madman trying to get all the audio I can you know, for the show. <laughs> well, oh, that and you're with like 14 billion was, people. Yes, so every time. I'm your with, family is always I'm with in a, a pack. Here, it's, it's me like, and my wife. We cover like more than you could cover. Yeah, in, I like, get behind them. My wife five. gets in front of the pack that we have with us and we herd them around the parks. So yeah. 
All right, and uh, let's see. Well, let's give you a little bit of a uh, of, uh, upside on what we're going to be doing next week, which will be Festival of the Lion King, and that's in Animal Kingdom. Yep. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but it's a long show, and it's got some great music. So just be listening for that next week, and it's another one of those shows like we did before where we hardly talk any, just because we got some great audio, and really this is a great show to go see. Another reason to go visit Animal Kingdom, even though people say, eh, Animal Kingdom's not really that big a deal, but I think it's quickly becoming... The one next, of more popular parks. The next biggest park. Well, yep. not the next biggest, but it's it's definitely up to par with the rest of them. So we'll talk about that next week. Okay, and uh, real quick, everybody get on iTunes and subscribe to us on there if you haven't already done it. And leave us uh, some reviews. Send us an email, and you've got our contact information. And uh, we're waiting to hear from you. All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. And Have a also, good week. You know what? Tell, tell people about us. If you really think that we're a good show, it's your... Getting the word out is what helps us be known to so that people can listen to our show, especially Disney fans. I think we do a lot of Disney because yeah. we're Disney fans, but at the same time, it's got some great audio and different things for other other places to visit. So. Right. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. See ya. I like to This podcast has been brought to you by theseamazingplaces.com. This podcast may not be redistributed or re-recorded without prior written consent from theseamazingplaces.com. Are you sure it's plugged in the right one? What was it plugged into before? Oh.